So, Greg, the other day I was out doing some yard work, you know, just doing some gardening, and it was like a thousand trumpets just blared in the sky at me, just this loud horn noise. I, of course, immediately went into the house to the 700 Club to see what was going on, but, uh, you know, it seemed like everything was fine, so, uh, you know, nothing weird happening this week, right? I mean, did Pat have an explanation for you when you called in? No, no, it just seemed like everything was good. I just gave him 50 bucks like he asked me to. It's really all I have in my bank, but no big deal. I got some Trump bucks coming. You know, who knows why anything happens, right? I mean, this is the kind of uh, sort of irrational alarmism I've come to expect uh, from you. Um, and it's only it's only gotten worse in these troubling times as your sort of apocalyptic millenarianism grows. <laughs> and uh, I, I've got news for you, Brian, the, that, that loud buzzing in the air Um you're not going to find anything to explain that in the book of Revelation. But if you turn to another source of uh, insight and prophecy, the New York Times, you might uh, <laughs> find an explanation. Uh, Blaine Washington, in his decades of beekeeping, Ted McFall had never seen anything like it. Uh, what he saw was a giant Asian murder hornet. Um, I guess they're invading Washington. That's what That was the cloud of pestilence that was at your house, Brian. Yeah, pestilence, Greg. I certainly won't find that in Revelations. Anyways, um, I have room in my bunker, guys, if y'all are interested. Yeah. Uh, but, but Greg, could you maybe give us a little... I felt like they give a little description of what the murder hornets do. That is just... I feel like we can't let the, our, our listeners go without it. Okay. Um, let's see. In Japan, the hornets kill up to 50 people a year. <laughs> I mean, look, I can tell you, like, they're large, they're scary, like, they rip off the heads of other bees, like, no thank you, no. Yeah, yeah, I, I believe in the article, it has this hilarious thing about how their, uh, you know, mandibles or whatever are, are shaped like blades, and they literally decapitate the bees as they just, like, decimate the hive. Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely not into the world shit, that's for sure. No, not at all. No, no. I mean, why worry? Exactly. The real point of that story to me, the thing that that comes through most is like, it's about the the state and the sort of, uh, you know, bee industries, local beekeepers response with the state to like combat this invasive species that could run rampant and completely destroy all um, like bee colonies everywhere if it gets out of control. And like they describe like a uh, a sort of small scrappy effort to uh, set out a bunch of traps and stop this uh, you know impending invasion. And I just I'm just thinking, gosh, I have no faith in our state's ability to do that <laughs> to to stop this from happening. Like I feel like this is we're going to be you know reading about this is a very similar article. Um, to the that New York Times article we read um, last week about the like you know intrepid uh, doctor who was like, "Yep, I saw it coming," and then it was too late in reference yeah. to COVID nineteen, and like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, that'll be treated bees, like success, like technocratic success. I mean, the bees are already str- like the honeybees; they're already in a tough space, you know, like they not do not doing good. This. And like we're already in a tough space, we do not need this either. Um, yeah, not not looking forward to what's coming next. Well, guys, all I can say is uh, buy honey futures. Buy honey futures. That's yeah. your stockbroking tip of the week. <laughs> <laughs>
Get that Damn. cow. <laughs> Any right. honey I buy, I'm just going to eat. So. <laughs> Greg just getting mercilessly stung by both bees and corn, so he sticks his hand into the beehive to get that precious, precious honey. Quarantine. God, we need Colin back, Greg. This yeah, we really do. Exhausted. But, I, don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm so confused. Yeah. I'm best not to think about it. Um, but uh, we have a special guest. We do. We have a very special guest. Um, to promote uh, his new single and music video. That's just climbing up the charts right now. Knocking Macklemore off. Knocking uh, other embarrassing Seattle artists off the charts. And uh, it's, uh, I guess, Greg, I don't even know why we have to say it, but without I, without further ado, Mario Brown is, is is on the show today. Hell yeah. Listen to the body language. Hey, guys. What up? Okay. You don't sound like Mario Brown. You sound like uh, Cassidy, also known as Corn from the uh, Better Left cast. Hey. What's uh, up, guys? Cassidy. It is good. Just, you know, stuck in the queue like y'all. Yeah, right on. I stayed with Cassidy and Melissa in Iowa. Cassidy worked on the Bernie campaign in Iowa, a great experience that she uh, is very proud of and has no um, regrets about. And uh, (laughs) I'm I'm proud of my experience, but like there there's definitely some things to unpack there. Yeah, that that might be a different conversation. I don't know. But hey, look, y'all, I can't wait to is... get those results back from Iowa, all right? Oh, so I, I think any time yeah. now we're going to hear about <laughs> what good you guys did there. As soon as those but results come in. Cassidy yeah. is, uh, as a seasoned Washington State political and campaign hack, hey. uh, <laughs> uh, she is our, um, our uh, Mario Brown correspondent. Um, she's an expert <laughs> on Mar- Mario Brown on his uh music his career um his his influences uh where his what direction he wants to take his next yeah. album yeah um for those of you who don't know what we're talking about yet just uh go to the description of this click on the link and enjoy because yeah. one enjoy of my favorite yeah yes uh one of my favorite genre of things is you know the local political music video and this, like, 
it's not that really. It's not like about a candidate or some like like some ideological weird like like normy um like it's not like conservatives rapping. No, it's a guy who just happens to be a local political hack who I guess he's considering running for office, right? Is that is that real? He is run like he has a website. Like I think that makes it official, right? Hell yeah. That yeah. fuck <laughs> yes. Yes, that fucking rules. Internet um, official. Yeah. And he just like did a David Brent evidently from looking I've you know we're gonna have to ask but from, from what it looks like hopefully all of you have now paused this gone watch the video you're back now I mean did he write the song did he pay someone to write it did he like which like family member or intern of his filmed that like where did he find those women um does where he... did he find those women thank you <laughs> seriously well maybe I mean... first we should uh paint a picture of this video i mean we have our hero he's in the middle the ladies yeah, just, can't yeah. stay off him yeah they're they're just they they can't stay away from his belt which one of them is just like grabbing the whole time can you, can um, you blame them tell, i mean t- tell no. us your impression like you saw this and what happened oh was and this so like for me too, like, and we'll get into the background, but I've known Mario for several years and like, I've always known that there's some like skeletons and weirdness, but when I saw that, I was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> like, that's what we're dealing with. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so like, I, and I was talking to a friend who like happens to be in the same circle with them and they happen to just drop this music video and knowing that he had plans to run for office, I just knew that I needed to save that music video for safekeeping. And I am so glad that I did Thank because God. it was no longer on YouTube, um, but we still oh, get weird. to enjoy it. So you're welcome. Oh my mm-hmm. God. Like, yeah. I mean, we're going to ask you more about like, you know, the man himself, but like, what, what, what is your impression of the video? It's just, it's so cringe. Like what is happening? I, just, <laughs> I don't know how you go into this just being like, you know what, this is it. Like we are going to fucking own the game. This is what we're doing. And it just, it's, it's a mess, but I love it so much. My favorite part of the video is the weird line. It straddles as far as quality where it's just bad enough. These could just be people that he knows that he's forcing to be in the video with them. Yeah. But it's just good enough that he also could have paid people. So I'm fairly certain. So the person who shared this music video with me, they were a recruit for the music video, and they were not in it. But he had showed up to like a burnstorm event that Mario had been doing. And basically this was like the first time this kid had met Mario and he was like, Hey, do you want to be a mu- in a music video with me? And he said, no. Always like, say no to that. Don't <laughs> never say yes to that. Somebody you don't know said yes. So here they are. So he, he, wait, did you say you met him at a Bernie event? Yes. These Bernie bros have got to be stopped. Seriously. All right. You know, I'm on the train now. How is this We're just messing like... it. I got to apologize. <laughs> well, maybe we should dial back. So, so yeah. let's, let's get to the roots of who is Mario Brown, yeah. right? So he's this guy. He's in Snohomish, right? So Snohomish it's probably Linwood County, or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, I think that he's like in. Oh, this like, video has such Linwood yeah. energy. Oh, my God. Oh, Dude, totally, right? That, yeah. Like, that makes so it much cracks. sense that this fucking cringe emanated from the town the mall ate. Yes. <laughs> that is, like, holy shit, man. I know that is probably, like, it's probably like filmed in, like, the old Chuck E. Cheese. 
Totally. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> oh my God. But we got to talk more about the video specifically. So it's like, it's him. What I, it took me like the second watch to realize like that he was like consciously uh, <laughs> trying to rip off uh, Daft Punk. Because first, because right. I didn't really, because the song, first of all, I, you got to give him, he kind of does have pipes. Um, <laughs> but you do not have to give him that. He's a musician. Um, like before he did politics, he was a quote unquote musician. Like I think that he was a lobbyist for like making sure that music was in schools and stuff like that. Like, yeah. Oh, he's uh, that's such a Seattle. That's such a Seattle guy thing. Um, totally. Uh, it's uh, but he okay. So he's got that. He's got like a a gold robotic hand. Yes. He's wearing a mask, and then the the song, like it, it, its vibe is sort of it's creepy. It, it's awful, but the vibe is he clearly. When, once I saw the robotic gold hand, I was like, oh, he's like trying to do that Daft Punk single, which who who sang that? Pharrell. Yeah, 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 yeah. And <laughs> so we I all think, desperately try to figure it out. <laughs> it has like this very like yeah almost I mean like Tommy Wiseau level like uh, refusal to like examine the self or like have any awareness of what you're doing <laughs> or like it's, it's a super self serious thing in which in the video, he's clearly like trying, like he, he's behaving as if he's some kind of like um, potential sex symbol, which is right. Really an so interesting gross. thing for any human being to just do. Also, I did li- I, I should have thought to um, transcribe the lyrics, but um they're deeply creepy. What I what I paid attention to. <laughs> Think of it is, it's like um, the refrain in the name of the song, right? Is body language, but it's like the the te- the text of that is like I told, something like to the effect of I told you I loved you and you said nothing, but but I can tell because of body yeah. language in my heart. Because I tried to build the new. Yeah, it's just deeply creepy and toxic. Um, and I guess um, in spite of that, uh, it made my day uh, or something. And I don't remember who brought this up earlier, but like if we're paying attention to body language, that gal was not feeling. Oh, my God. That is the <laughs> fucking funniest thing. Everyone in that video, all the the poor um, like recruits. Just who, just yeah, whoever was recruited and like, or just like felt like they needed to do this favor or thought like it wouldn't be that bad and just didn't know what they were getting into. Um, just clearly were not fucking into it, like, especially the yeah, the main sort of subject of uh, well, ironically, like it kind of fits the lyrics because it does read as like a woman who like. Uh, spurned his advances and then he just won't fucking leave her alone isn't into you but like I can tell that you're right exactly yeah it's so cringe and creepy and just yeah like knowing the not great person he is it's even worse slash better I don't know but yeah <laughs> it's a gift for sure 
Yeah, let's get into who he is then. So, okay, we got this guy in Linwood. Well, and so here's the thing. So, yeah, going into his, like, background, in 2016, like, that was the first time I met Mario was also at a burn storm. It was a different one, but he was putting them on all over the state. And basically, he was representing himself as an employee of the Bernie Sanders campaign, and that was not the case. So, like, that's where weirdness starts to occur, for sure. Yeah. Um, But like, so that happened. Um, And then later on, like a year or two later, there were some PDC complaints filed against him. And it was regarding some lists that he had sold to his clients, um, some of them being Bernie delegate lists. Um, And him not being an actual employee of the campaign, he should not have had those lists. He should not have been selling those lists. And that was under this B&B strategies that he does consulting with. Um, So like that was like just, you know, that's messiness, but like I wouldn't say that in itself like makes you a terrible person. Like it's not great, but like those were things we knew about. Um, And then he also, he ran to be the Snohomish County Democrats chair. Um, And like, again, it was under the idea that like people thought that he had been a Bernie staffer when he was not. And like, Um, so it was just like a lot of weirdness. The same group who pushed Mario was the same group who pushed Tina Podladowski and basically said like, Hey, like I'm a Bernie supporter. You should vote for me. And then when they got in, it was like, they are not progressive. They're not Bernie supporters. Like, um, Mm -hmm. so like, again, weirdness, but like, does that make you like canceled a terrible person? Not necessarily. But then like when he started working for Ari, I think that's when people, really started to pay attention to him. I'm guessing that's when... Well, a Democrat? Shocked working for <laughs> yes. Ari? A, a, yes. a, a Washington State uh, suburban Seattle Democrat working for Ari Hoffman? Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, he was hanging around Bernie rallies, apparently, at some point. Yeah, like, putting on Bernie events, basically saying that, like, he was staff of the campaign when he was not, like, misrepresenting, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. Um, And so, yeah, I was super new to politics. Like, this was someone that I saw as, like, a leader in the progressive community, like, and that's how a lot of people saw him, because we didn't fucking know, you know? He he was misrepresenting himself. Um, And so, yeah, he ran to be the chair of the Snohomish County Democrats, Um, and yeah, like he, you know, I wouldn't say that he did a terrible job, but like one thing that he did that I think is super funny is, um, so one thing that the Democrats do, you know, a lot is they fundraise, like that is their thing. They're all about that cash. And so one of the responsibilities of the chair is putting on like some annual fundraiser thing, whatever, like normally it's not that big of a deal. Like maybe they'll get some local politician, whatever, but burnt or Mario fucking put on a party, dude. Like it was lit. He had Nina Turner. <laughs> he had Tulsi Gabbard. He rented out. He rented out a room at the Tulalip Casino, and he had a huge ass fucking party. But the thing is, is like later on, come to find out, he spent like tens of thousands of dollars on this fucking party, and they made no money for for the Democratic Party. And so, of honestly, course, sounds like, like the Democrats. Yeah, but but <laughs> yeah. like. 
the fact that he used the Democrats' money to pay like Tulsi Gabbard and people like that, like the the Democratic Party was not fucking happy. But we're all fucking like, hey, we got a sick party out of this, so like, I don't really care. <laughs> Sometimes but, like, it pays to know a grifter, you know? Right, exactly. And so that's what he did. Like he threw this fucking sick party, got to rub elbows with like Nina Turner, and then he resigned as chair. Like, <laughs> wow, pretty close following that. So like. That's exactly what he did. He grifted the Snohomish County Democrats. He threw a sick party. Like, so again, yeah. he, he, he's burnt a lot of bridges with people up here. Um, and then I, you know, I think that's why he was forced to start moving towards like more terrible candidates like Ari Hoffman, because he proved himself to yeah, be so, a shitty person okay. and like trusted with money, like all that good stuff. So like, yeah. What brings him to do that? Like, if this is part of like his, like consulting work yeah so so he has a company called bnb strategies and bnb strategies is is the same it's the same consulting firm i was talking about earlier that like he sold bernie delegate lists that he did not own um so like there's always been some shadiness surrounding his stuff but like who's not shady in politics you know well he's Uh, he's a political (laughs) consultant like the other term for that is shady grifter right you know? like yeah one of so the yeah like you would you know that yeah of course of course <laughs> i know that and so like going on to ari hoffman's campaign like people i think were i don't know if shocked is necessarily right because it's just like oh like yeah a grifter continuing continuing his grift you know like yeah, if you look at ari hoffman if you look at any of the literature that he did, like it was trash. It had misspellings all over it. Like he's not a good consultant, but like this was someone who was going to pay him, you know? Like okay, like but the the like um insane uh like uh homeless uh, like eradication Zionist literature had you know, spelling mistakes. I mean, you know, we're kind of bearing the lead here, right? Like, right. No. And like, so what I'm saying is like for him, like he was willing to look past that bullshit just because he wanted to get paid. And it like, as that's terrible. Do we know that he's not also just like, uh, do we know that he has any like, you know, uh, ideological commitments one way or the other? I mean, if he's, you know, some grifter or, like honestly I can't speak on anything like beyond that but like what I'm saying too is like he misrepresented himself as a progressive as a Bernie supporter yeah, yeah, and that's like, what I mean yeah is that necessarily the case I don't know like to, did he do it for money did he do it because he agrees with Ari's message like to me no matter what it's fucked and especially as someone oh, yeah, totally. who planned to run for office like what is you doing you know yeah, okay so wait what is he running for so he's running for state senate in the 38th LD. Where where's the 38th? Uh I believe that that's like Marysville, like North Snohomish County. Hell yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, so dude, it's it's a messy yeah, mess. Good parties up there and you know right. pull it out. Yes. Wow. So, yeah, next time I'm at another castle up there, I'm going to karaoke his fucking uh, track, you know? So I <laughs> oh kick his campaign God. off. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Hell yeah, I would but, go to that party. Yeah, no, but this the person that sent me this music video, again, like, um, I, I kind of wanted to do some digging because at this time we had been in- interviewing Ari for our podcast to see, like, 
are you a troll? Are you fucking serious? Like, what is this? And so um, this friend of mine, like straight up asked him, like, what the fuck are you doing? And he said that Ari just wants to embarrass the council and he doesn't want to win. It was basically an entire like troll campaign, which like we all knew this, obviously. But mm-hmm. to like, hear that from the mouth of someone from the campaign, it's like, oh, very cool. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, I- yeah, just a mess. Yeah. But I think, like, the one of the lessons here is that these kind of people are always around these kind of organizations, right? right? Yeah. The oh, yeah. Democrats are always easy to get into because they don't actually build any sort of infrastructure in any way. Like, you know, the Republicans have, you know, the campus conservatives, the college Republicans, all that kind of stuff. They actually take that shit seriously. But the Democrats don't ever, like, build any infrastructure. So it's, like, perfect for grifters just kind yeah. of, like seep right on in and sometimes they show up i mean the democrats are just so happy so fucking delighted anywhere for anyone to show up at any kind of fucking meeting that's the thing out in i'm gonna take a wild guess and say like snohomish county democrats does not draw huge crowds no let alone like people under 40 you know right yeah like yeah yeah, very typical you know a handful at meetings a hand a tiny handful of like retirees and you you know it's easy enough to come in there um and uh you know say if say you know just claim whatever is necessary but this is the story of the entire democratic party this is what this is the story of democratic electeds you know i mean and this is the story of the democratic party locally uh because you know and this guy you know, th- there is a grift to be done here by calling yourself a progressive when you could really just believe fucking anything, which is like what most uh, Democrats in the Washington state legislature are all about. Right. And it's like, I don't care what you claim to represent. You know, you could probably go to his website and he's going to say that he supports Medicare for all and things like that. But like, if you're willing to take money from Ari Hoffman, I don't give a shit. I don't trust you. You're not going to represent us. Like you're going to just go with whoever's going to give you that cash. So yeah, no, he's not. Well, I mean, he's, you know, again, this type that, you know, Brian, Brian mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just weird careerist. I mean, they're all yeah. careerists, but then there's the weird creep, creep careerists. And that's this right. guy. I mean, and it's totally. awesome. And I love that he exists. Um, that music video. I mean, Seriously, actually, you may not even have to follow a link. I think we should host it on our website because it's not available anywhere else, apparently, if it's down off YouTube. But Cassidy's got it, so we're going to get it, and um, we're going to make sure it's online for all of our friends out in Snoho uh, to, you know, to spread it around um, because the world world has to see this beautiful work of art. Spread actually. Not Corona, right, guys? So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like we, uh, we believe in Mario's music career, and we want him to go with that. We want him to pursue that. Yeah, yeah. Let's go with that. Cool. Yeah, like I said, he he kind of can't sing. <laughs> yeah, um, we, we need more bangers for sure. It, this, yeah, it, it's it's a deeply creepy song. It's a it's a <laughs> absolutely chillingly cringe uh, music video. Um, and <laughs> the fact that it's from someone running for office in Washington state just makes it that one of the most special delights that the internet can offer. Such um, a delight. Yeah. yeah. God. So great. Um, so Cassie, you're going to stick around and talk to us about, um, on, uh, uh, eating nuclear waste for breakfast every yes, morning definitely. growing up in Washington state. 
Yes, that, that's the other thing that I'm an expert on, Mario Brown and uh, the nuclears. Ooh, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, because everything's going so well here uh, on this side of the mountains, we decided this week that maybe we should uh, take a little peek over the mountains. You know, just we got up to the very tippy top of the pass and we yeah. put our hand right up above our eyes to shield us from the sun. And we, we looked over <laughs> and we saw what was going on. And uh, I just thought, let me let me just throw out some highlights from this article we have about our beloved Hanford site, which is out by the Tri-Cities area in eastern Washington, and that maybe we could get some uh, responses from you guys. Um, so after a deep look at infrastructure maintenance records at the Hanford Nuclear Reservation following a tunnel collapse three years ago, the General Accounting Office found upkeep has been spotty over the years. So we're beginning our yeah, beginning already with a tunnel collapse that just makes you go, wait, what? <laughs> well, yeah, like, body. That, think about like <laughs> this is supposed to be the site of a massive federal cleanup effort, right? This is the uh, idea here is that there is an ongoing cleanup of the uh, most like polluted, uh, you know, nuclear site. Um, in America and well, Greg, but instead it's like, Oh, just upkeep is spotty. Yeah. Greg, first off, it's not a site of a cleanup. It's a site of the cleanup. Hanford is actually considered to be the most toxic and polluted location in the Western hemisphere. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, which, you know, I'll, I'll throw out, you know, a few uh, stats here uh, just so, you know, let you guys know if we need to panic or not. Thank you. So, you know, Hanford's one of the U.S.'s oldest, uh, you know, sort of nuclear sites. Uh, its first reactor was started in 1944 for the purpose of making a bomb. The last oh. one was shut down in 87. It had nine total. And it has 177 underground tanks currently that are holding toxic material. Uh, they are storing 900,000 gallons of radioactive material. And they also have some sump sites. And by sump, I mean holes the they dug yeah. and dumped things in. Okay. Uh, that's Over this time period, they dumped about 440 billion, with a B, gallons of radioactive water waste into. Mm. Oh, Hanford's like three miles from the Columbia, too. <laughs> Tight, cool. The site itself <laughs> is on, the, it's on riverfront property, but... Um, the yeah. most radioactive stuff isn't necessarily right on the river, but I don't know. Uh, well, Greg, uh, it actually has had several various serious leaks over the uh, decades, and uh, many <laughs> hundred thousands of gallons of material have actually leaked into the Columbia. There's a, I couldn't find confirmation of this story, but there is a story that goes around that there was a Hanford worker back when it was still operational that was eating shellfish from the mouth of the Columbia right there on the Oregon-Washington border. Mm. And he went back to work the next day. He was on a little trip, and he apparently ate a bunch of oysters. Went back to work the next day and set off the radio, uh, the radioactivity detector when he walked into his work site. Perfect. But, uh, Coming back yeah. to work. That's great. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and But this is from... Did we mention that this is from the CrossCut article? The, oh, yeah. This is from a CrossCut article. Yeah. Go to Crosscut. There's a good stuff on Hanford. Yeah. Well, so this new thing is um, that they talk about in the Crosscut piece is um, a uh, 
GOA study that was like um, insisted upon by the Washington congressional delegation, um, Patty Murray and Maria Cantwell, after that tunnel collapse where, you know, uh, a place storing nuclear waste underground just like fell apart. Um, and <laughs> yeah, the study, I mean, it's like, this is, I mean, this is, no, this is not shocking at all. Anyone, I mean, if you've lived in Washington state, you've probably known about this like for a long time, but like there is there, whatever cleanup there is. And there's some hilarious statistics in this article of, from the actual plan, the, um, the, the like tri-party agreement um, between the um, Department of Energy, the EPA and the, and Washington state to like clean up Hanford. And it has dates for like final cleanup of various sites and buildings like out for a hundred years, twenty seventy six. And it's like, okay, um, uh, but that just tells you like the speed at which this is happening uh, is not even enough to keep up with the natural decay of man-made buildings. Like that's how like they can't even clean this up fast enough before it like is falling apart. Um, so even just how bad the sort of, um, I mean, the whole thing was always, you know, as Brian described, like just basically dumping uh, endless uh, radioactive waste into the ground. It was already like a bad um, effort at containment, but like what little effort there was it is deteriorating faster than they're really even able to clean it up, which... Uh, there's bigger things go into this. I mean, like, you know, we still, we haven't really decided as a country what to do with this nuclear waste um, for the most part that is keeping them from really doing a lot of stuff. And they're mostly just finding ways to mitigate and continue to contain it there. But they're clearly barely even doing that. If like some of these, some of this, this GOA report, like cited, like some of these sites haven't been checked for structural integrity for like 20 years or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like one of the, I agree with you, it's not shocking necessarily, but some of the things like the tidbits were shocking. So oh, yeah. for example, one of the facilities, they said the extent to which they do those sort of check-ins is they just like look down a flight of stairs. Like, oh, <laughs> oh hold on. Let yeah. me read that. Cause that's actually pretty funny. Um, well, I, that, I was like, excuse me, what? Like, okay. Yeah, so basically uh, this particular uh, report was they looked at 18 facilities and of the 18 facilities they found five had um, one like zero yeah. yeah zero maintenance and uh, were in you know danger of collapse Not and things like great. that. Yeah, it turned out the the five were also in the most toxic areas of Hanford. Very cool. But yeah, the one the one you're referencing is the uh, 216Z9 crib. And let me just read the little description oh. they had here. This is a big 20-foot deep trench of radioactive waste, including 106 pounds of plutonium. With a roof supported by concrete columns on top, inspections consist of looking at the top of the roof and peering down a staircase. <laughs> what? <laughs> they literally just, they just peeked out a hole and they're like, yeah, it looks good. Looks now, good the, the thing is, like <laughs> yeah, wrap it up. <laughs> well, it's easy. It would easy be easy for someone to read that and go like, "Holy shit!" Well, what do you have to do? Like, what are you asking these workers to do? Because this is a very dangerous and difficult cleanup effort. 
totally. But the thing is, um, you could do it safely uh, with just enough funding. Um, you could do it. Like we can. We went to the fucking moon. You could clean this shit up with, you know, with and take it at the pace that was necessary. With having everyone protected, use fucking fuck man. Build fucking robots to do it for fuck's yeah. sake. I mean, we have the technology uh, at this point. Oh okay? no, Craig's on the robot kick now. I'm just saying, like, you know, the uh, the issue here is, um, like anything else, like like it's just austerity um, and not wanting to spend any money on this shit from the federal government. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, you can't. It's happening here in Washington State, but there's nothing the state can really do. Um, you know, it's a federal site, it's a federal problem, and the, and the money required to actually clean this shit up it would be fucking astronomical. So you have what you have instead is this bureaucratic effort that has like, oh, these timetables that go out fucking 50 years, 100 years, um, that, that just mean nothing. Um, and you get to say, well, this is going on. And you can cover it by saying like, yes, well, it's very dangerous. It's very difficult. It has to be done very carefully. Um, and, you know, but... They just keep pushing it off to the next person, the next, you know, whoever. And, like, it just is never going to be taken care of. And I think that going through all the corona bullshit, too, just makes it even more apparent that, like, this will never be handled properly. You know? I mean, look at what we're dealing with now. Yeah, well, because if you can't, if they can't, if it is outside of the political imagination of our political class, even the Democrats in Congress, to, like just spend the fucking money and like ramp up testing. Um, like, you know, they, they're just, why, why would they clean this up? Just let it be there. Let it keep polluting, uh, the Columbia river. Well, Greg, yeah. Would you like to hear a story? Yeah, please. Well, let me take you back to 1949. The U S was at war, a new kind of war, a cold war. And the U.S. government wanted to know, can reconnaissance planes detect the site of a uh, nuclear power plant that's creating uh, plutonium for a bomb just by emissions? And that brings us to Project Green Run, where the Hanford plant, just <laughs> on their Holy own shit, no. as a little experiment, oh, God. Uh, released 12,000 curies of radioactive material into the air. To see if they could uh, see it? To see what would happen. Yeah, to see if they could see it. Uh, That release is uh, around 400 times uh, the size of the Three Mile Island radioactivity release. (laughs) When Three Mile Island melts out. How's it compared to Chernobyl? Uh, Chernobyl, It's still smaller than Chernobyl, but um, they then did it. it. (laughs) Yeah, but they then did it seven more times between 1952 and 1973 that we know of. Cool. Holy shit, that fucking owns. Um, uh, they uh, then followed uh, the medical records of people in the nearby area to see what would happen. <laughs> we don't know what they found out about that. Science. <laughs> uh, you know, we haven't even said this yet, like what the Hanford site like really is and what it represents. Um, I think, again, like a lot of people know this, if you've lived in Washington or maybe you read this article, um, but... You know, Hanford is a Manhattan is one of the three main Manhattan Project sites um, that was opened uh, in the early part of the war to develop the nuclear uh, bombs, and um, it's basically where virtually all of the 
nuclear material, the plutonium. It's a plutonium refinery, um, and it they all, basically all of the nuclear material, the plutonium, which is what almost all um, American, the American uh, U.S. nuclear arsenal uses, basically all came from Hanford over the course of like fifty years. Um, so like all of our enormous number of nuclear weapons that could destroy the world, um, like. Uh, several times over, um, it all came from Washington State, or was refined and, and turned into like you know usable plutonium here. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, very cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's extremely cool. Um, and sort of one of the interesting side stories of that is that we actually made two types of bombs uh, for the Manhattan Project, mm-hmm. right? So they had two ideas of how to make the bomb. And, you know, they decided to go with both of them simultaneously. To test them out. Yeah, and at the same time... The that comes from... um, That's the plutonium bomb that comes from... uh, Hanford. And that is... That was the second bomb dropped on um, Mm -hmm. Nagasaki. Weird. We created two bombs. We dropped two bombs. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Think about the lot. Think about that. Just think about that for a minute. (laughs) I'm, I'm thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> so Leslie Groves, who was in charge of the Manhattan Project, uh, was becoming extremely concerned around 1945 that given the fact that they had a complete blank check to run up as big a budget as they possibly could want. Uh, and had done keep, so. Keep, yeah, keep this in mind for our future problem at Hanford. Yeah. Um, he actually became really concerned because there's actually nobody remembers them now, but there was these really famous trials after the Civil War about like uh, war profiteers and stuff like that that haunted uh, the American uh, uh, psyche up until World War II. Well, certainly in and, the arms industry. Yeah, and Leslie Groves thought for sure that they were basically all going to jail. Like, and he's like, you know, they're basically going to say that we like stole money from the war front or whatever, and people died because we were like fucking around in the desert. And it should, and, be, it should be noted that. Um, Leslie Groves was um, an American army general and a fucking psychotic freak. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like an so, absolute fucking, like, right up there, like, uh, Curtis LeMay level psychotic nut job. Maybe less. And like a, another grifter, it sounds like, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, well, you know, a grifter who realizes time might be up. So when it came time, when they finally had a weapon ready, he was very worried because, you know, everybody knew Japan was going to surrender. And he was very worried they're going to surrender before they had one ready. And once they had one ready, he immediately pushed to say, hey, we can't just drop one. We got to drop both because we have to, you know, validate both projects. We have to use the product. <laughs> Yeah, and it has to be used now. And he became, you know, the most ardent supporter of dropping major lobbying effort. Yeah, and uh, you know, wouldn't you know it? There's, you know, about a dozen reasons why we dropped the bombs on Japan, uh, none of which have anything to do with the war itself. But literally, it's the (laughs) only thing. It's the only reason we didn't bomb Japan was was to end the war or because they uh, attacked us in 1941. Literally nothing to do with it. Although Groves was one of the people that intervened too when the uh, Los Alamos targeting committee had floated the idea of dropping the bombs on an island off the coast of Japan and and having Japanese observers. Uh, He was one of the people that was like really against that because he said that you had to drop it on a population so they would know the effect. (laughs) Otherwise, Uh, and this is key, it wouldn't be internationally understood. (laughs) I mean, he's not wrong. (laughs) 
Oh, I mean, oh, Greg, you know, he's, 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 he's a like psychotic freak, but right. as a propaganda weapon. Mm-hmm. Well, in my main point of bringing up this uh, just wonderful story of Leslie Groves is that when they started creating this nuclear material, this fissile material in Hanford, it, it was a blank check. Do whatever you want. You know, spend as much as you want. Everybody was at the trough, GE in particular, but everybody was at the trough. Hanford was built by DuPont. Yeah. And then, well, they had multiple reactors. Some were built by DuPont GE, but the thing is the first one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The point uh, the B reactor was built by DuPont. But yeah, yeah. every every big fucking defense contractor and big industrial company, everybody had got fucking cash out of that. So it's declared a Superfund site in the 1990s. I mean, it's one of the most you know destroyed sites in the country. It's, again, roundly considered to be the most toxic site in all of the Western Hemisphere. And now, all of a sudden, we have to watch the checkbook. Yep. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting how that works, all right? Isn't this always the case? Always. I mean, yep. <laughs> it's just American politics in a nutshell, right? <laughs> and it's a choice. That's what's so frustrating yep. is, like, if our politicians and our representation actually wanted to fucking make a difference and get this taken care of. They could, but they choose not to. And Mm -hmm. I mean, again, like we get, you know, two choices or maybe like three people run for office, whatever. Like none of these people are, are proposing like doing anything bold or different. Like we just have to fucking deal with it. And like, I, I mean, I don't know how you guys look at it, but as a constituent, as like just someone who lives here, like, I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to do. Well, I think yeah. it's, it's, you know, uh, it's a question of, you know, even to the extent that our representatives, you know, if we were to give like Murray and Cantwell credit for a minute of, you know, at least sounding tough on Hanford, like it's a, question of where the real power is and so it's like everything else you can't that it hanford the hanford cleanup the absolutely devastating effects the sort of murderous history of it all uh it's not a one it's not a single issue that you can that you can fight that you can advocate on you can't just like uh do activism to right uh, to clean up Mm -hmm. hanford it's just not gonna work it's about power and there are you know, there was there was money to be made making that mess, and there's really none to be made cleaning it up. Right. Which you know could beg the question, right? Well, why not? Couldn't couldn't some company make a shitload of money cleaning it up? Um, and the answer is no, because that's what the the blank check part is about. You know, when you're making arms, and particularly the Manhattan Project, but lots of other things, you know, it's like it's it's also like cost plus accounting. You know, you just mm-hmm. like. There's no no one looking over your shoulder on efficiency. These projects can just go like out of control budget wise and they just get approved. But that's not how, you know, there's just no scenario in our policy. And that that's a possibility that they can get away with. That sounds insane, but they always have arms contractors, uh, you know. Um, but that's there's nothing in our political imagination that would allow for that scenario to be for cleaning this up. Plus, you would have because this is so fucking contaminated and that's a, an issue. It's, uh, you know, no, no company can make any money on it. I mean, you couldn't get fucking, uh, to do a real big job to put a bunch of people in there to protect them. Uh, you know, geez, the insurance alone would bankrupt. You couldn't even get insurance probably, you know? Well, Greg, would you like to hear another story? Yeah, please. (laughs) 
All right. Well, there is a plan for dealing with the waste at Hanford, and it's called creating glassification uh, manufacturing facilities where they lock the radioactive material in this glass process. I'm not a fucking nerd. I don't know how any of this shit works, but apparently it's the way to go. And they decided to do this in the mid-aughts, and they allocated quite a bit of money for it. And uh, private companies were perfectly happy to jump in, including uh, one company, the, the, those of us who I guess none of us exist anymore Wait, who remember the Iraq was War. Was it Chihuly? Uh, it was not Chihuly. It was uh, our good friend Bechtel. Oh, nice. Yeah, dude, I haven't so, heard that name in a long time. Yeah, and when there's money to be made and sniffed in the defense department, you know, the defense department budget, right, or in the energy department budget, uh, back to will show up. Now they did show up and they did build something. Um, and in 2010, in the process of building it, building it, one Walt Thomasitis, I apologize for fucking your name up, an employee of a Bechtel subcontractor. Uh, pointed out that the plans that they had used to build this facility were flawed, that there was a risk of hydrogen gas explosions that could bend and burst pipes in the plant, spraying radioactive fluids, uh, et cetera, et cetera, all very bad. Uh, pointed out that essentially the construction was uh, flawed. Uh, Thomasitis' superiors uh, told the Energy Department that the design problems actually had been fixed uh, as of July 1st, 2010, over his protests. But in time for Bechtel to collect a $5 million bonus from the department. Years later, uh, they actually figured out that the plant that Bechtel built was flawed, as Thomas Sidis pointed out, and had to be uh, torn down. And uh, Bechtel presumably kept the money, and Thomas Sidis, oh, let me get my glasses out, uh, was fired for raising the alarm. Interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, so, Greg, you know, there is money to be made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah no there there is grift to be grifted yes, uh, but there's no money to be made actually doing anything right point, you know yeah um, <laughs> sorry we're fucked and yeah i think that like this article it's just again like whether it be fucking murderous hornets or like hanford covid like it's just piling on right now man like it's tough. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the wages of uh, the American Empire are coming due. Yeah. Bernie would have won. <laughs> Bernie would have won. Bernie will yeah. won. <laughs> well, I feel like uh, on that positive note, uh, maybe we should conclude this discussion. Uh, Cassidy, yeah. do you have anything that you would like to plug? Well, and then of course, oh. uh, Better Left Cast. Everyone should uh, tune in. Yes, like obviously like, comment, and subscribe, you guys. I mean, I have the podcast. Um, that's really about it right now because I'm unemployed and on the queue. So yeah, like check out the oh, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, let me ask you a Bernie question. bucks like me? Uh what'd you say? You getting those Bernie Bucks like me? Those Bernie Bucks, excuse me. Yeah, the the like un- extra unemployment cash, yo. Oh, I mean, we're we're still figuring that out. Remember, like you've been giving me some tips, but oh, um, that's, we're oh, getting there. Fuck, that's right, dude. Oh man, yeah. yeah, I forgot you're having like an unemployment. I right filed now. with the state of Iowa, which was a Ugh. huge, huge error in my judgment, and like <laughs> I'm just I'm continuing Oof. to wait. So yeah, okay. Well, yeah. um, I hope it works out. Good. And well, yeah, it makes it, you- go ahead. 
I was saying, if it makes you feel better, I filed with the state of Washington at the end of March, yeah. and uh, though they have claimed they have paid me, they have not. So, I'm very excited for uh, this interaction that I'm going to get to have. Well, uh, they claim they paid me on f- this last Friday, by the way, from uh, the third week of March. So that's where we're at in the state of Washington on unemployment, and doing badly. Imagine if we just didn't have the means testing and just like fucking took care of our people in a global mm-hmm. pandemic. Jesus fucking Christ. Like, well, this, the, yeah. the Congress is going to come back. Um, and, you know, the at least the real hardline Republicans are already going like what is the quote from Lindsey Graham is like more uh, COVID unemployment, a further unemployment relief extension over. Uh, his dead body and I'm just cool. thinking like the opposition to that like the Democrats, Chuck Schumer Nancy Pelosi people who really didn't want to do that in the first place either and had to be like cajoled yeah. into it by Bernie Sanders and other people who are you know human beings who don't have $10,000 refrigerators God, yeah, it's it's really bad. And then I mean, like to dive into Iowa really quick, like it's so bad there. Their their governor right now is basically telling people like factory workers that are making seven dollars an hour, you have to go back to work and you are going to be kicked off of unemployment. Um, they don't care that there's outbreaks at these meatpacking facilities. Mm-hmm. Like they are just being forced to go back to work. And so yeah, it, it's just it's not good. Love people oh. coughing and dying in my meat. Love it. Yeah. And I mean, you know, even in the state of Washington, I mean, that's the plan, right, is, you know, we're going to open up uh, the various jobs that low wage workers have to go to. And uh, we're going to keep the stay at home work where it's at, which basically means if you have a professional class job, you get to live. Uh, if you don't, right? that's what you get to do. You get to roll the motherfucking dice. Well, and going back <laughs> to Eastern Washington, like, you know, I think a lot of us are under the misconception that maybe King County, Snohomish County, we have been hit the worst. But in reality, Yakima County has been hit the worst by COVID. And that is because almost 70% of their workers are in essential employees. They're people of color. Yep. They're people who are making minimum wage. And so these people don't have paid sick leave. They don't have insurance. They don't have the protections. And they're getting fucking sick. It's, it's yeah, it's bad. Mm-hmm. Yep. <sighs> Good talk, guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you well, so that's- much for uh, coming on. Yes, yeah, me. thanks for coming on. Good talk Thank to you. you um yeah and hang in there in the better left podcast it can be found on spotify and i'm sure all itunes places. and all the things and all the places on, so twitter instagram all that at better left cast yeah, cool. so everybody has free time go check it out you're either unemployed or you're some uh, you know, professional class the
Listen to 